You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Okay, we are really back today. Uh, I played a rerun yesterday. I did the two-parter that we did because it's. I went back and I, I, I listened to them again last week. And the information is still prevalent. The ones we did about uh, psychological trauma and public health and the ones we did or the one we did about um, science and, and the cult, you know, they kind of tied the two together. So I thought it was a great time. Do you know, we actually made those a year ago now. That's crazy. A year ago. Can you believe that? Well, I, I mean, it kind of makes sense because we were looking at the stuff they were doing with COVID and, you know, the, the rhetoric they were they were pushing. Yeah, but a year has passed. Like I'm more, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm more amazed in the fact that a year has passed since then, and it seems like we just did it yesterday. Well, actually, if you're the listener, we did, we did just do it yesterday. <laughs> it, it, it time has flown. Yeah, it it has gone by fast. It has flown. Yes. It, how are you today? Healthy and alive. Yeah, staying cool. And yourself? Uh, I'm all right. Did you enjoy your time off yesterday? Yeah. Did some uh, side projects and some yard work. Are you? Ce- I'm just curious, Bruce. Are you celebrating today? Uh, what am I celebrating? Well, it's the it's the big event. You you're not celebrating. It's somebody's birthday. You're not celebrating today. Uh, I, I guess not because I have no clue whose no? birthday it is today. Oh goodness, goodness! Even the United Nations is celebrating today. I thought you would be partaking in this the birthday celebration just like the United Nations is doing today. Guess whose birthday they're celebrating today? Uh, Karl Marx. You're close. That's a close second. Che Guevara. Yeah, they're, they're celebrating uh-huh. Che Guevara's birthday today. The United Nations. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> you believe that? Well, yes, um, you can. That's rhetorical. Don't answer that. Yeah, because we're he was such a great individual that we needed to uh, remember his birthday and celebrate it. He was a radical communist that killed thousands of people in cold blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fidel Castro, after the, after the revolution in Cuba, Fidel Castro, Che Guevara was part of the revolution in Cuba. And he was standing in the presence of uh, of Castro as they took power and got rid of Batista. And he said, Guevara said to, to Castro, he said, thank God. And Castro said, what? He says, thank God the people are so stupid. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to do this. That's history. You can go, you can go and read that. Castro walked up to Guevara, backhanded him across the face and said, get out of the country. And he fled to Argentina. So the official Spanish language Twitter account of UNESCO, again, United Nations, uh, that's their cultural agency, end quote, celebrated the birthday of Irish-Argentine mass murderer Ernesto Che Guevara on Monday with a selected excerpt of his historic speech at the UN in 1964. So there's an attached video to it that they also put with the tweet. I'm sitting here looking at the tweet, which consists of Guevara speaking at the UN saying, we want to build socialism. We have declared that we are supporters of those who strive for peace. (laughs) Peace. Yeah, he killed thousands of people. We have declared ourselves to be within the group of non-aligned countries, although we are Marxist-Leninists because the non-aligned countries like ourselves fight imperialism. 
So Guevara went on for about an hour up there, which, you know, usually they do, preaching their usual propaganda and their nonsense. He went on to say, we have to say here what is a well-known truth. Okay, well, hey, educate us. All right, educate us. Let's hear what you have to say. He says that we have always expressed before the world firing squad executions. Yes, we have executed. We execute and we will keep executing so long as it is necessary. Our struggle is a struggle to the death. We know what the result of a lost battle would be. And the maggots, which would in this case be considered the anti-communists, must also know what the result of their lost battle is today in Cuba. Do you know what happened to all of the the people that were non-communists in Cuba, in Havana? Oh, I've read it. I've read about it in great detail. The Cuban Revolution. They were taken out on the beaches of Havana and they were shot. And that includes all the people that would have been possible opposition to the Marxist movement with Guevara and Castro. Now, these are people that said, which, by the way, uh, the U.S. actually aided them in that revolution because uh, we were told that they were not communists. Hell, they even themselves. Fidel Castro was asked, are you a communist? He says, no, I'm a Catholic. Is the Pope Catholic? Just a question. Leave that one hanging. On the official website of UNESCO, they describe their mission as building peace through international cooperation in education, the sciences, and culture. Now, again, this is an organization that just posted the video in a tweet today of what I just said that he said. I, I would play it, but it's all in Spanish. We don't obviously we don't have any subtitles, so I have to repeat it as sickening as it is. UNESCO says that they develop educational tools to help prov- uh, to help people live as global citizens free of hate and intolerance. Okay, free of hate and intolerance? Let's go back to what he just said of the video that they just posted. We have to say here what is a well-known truth. We have always expressed before the world firing squad executions. Yes, we have executed. We know what the result of a lost battle would be. Yeah, you'd be hung. That would be the result of a lost battle. And the maggots in this case, again, anti-communists, must also know what the result of their lost battle is today. Uh, okay, is that is that free of hate and intolerance? I don't think so. That's the antithesis of free of hate and intolerance. It is inclusive, though. <laughs> yes, comrade, as long as you're part of the revolution and you're not part of the problem. Just on a side note, and then we'll, we'll move on from this because this is truly disgusting. This tells you right here, if you were ever in doubt about the United Nations, this is all you need to see is they're openly supporting Che Guevara's birthday today. They're openly celebrating it. Truly disgusting. Truly disgusting. And I'm just going to say this one point on the Cuban Revolution. Again, I encourage people to go back and read about it. Fidel Castro was instrumental and Guevara were instrumental in pulling off that revolution by using one particular group of people. And not much has changed when I tell you who that group of people are, because they're well known today. They could not have done what they did in Cuba if it was not for the, listen very carefully, the young middle class university graduates. It was them. They are the ones that carried the messages of communism and Marxism and Leninism and Fidel's version of it into the villages. It was not possible. The revolution in Cuba would not have been possible if they did not have, I'll say it again, young, middle class, university graduates. Are we seeing any parallels in America? One or two. One or two. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, speaking of Marxism and Leninism, China. We talked the other day about China. You mentioned their nuclear reactor that is uh, leaking Mm -hmm. fission gas. Yeah, that, that's a little little bit of a problem. Uh, they have come out and made an official report. They're, they're Chinese officials. They've come out and made an official report on it. Uh, and the state media has has confirmed this, and it's nailed shut. Uh, they're insisting 
uh, on Tuesday that everything is normal at the Taishan nuclear reactor in Guangdong province, uh, dismissing all reports to the contrary as anti-China hysteria. So there's no problem. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. Uh, and and there, there's nothing to worry about. So you're saying that a communist country that comes out and says there's nothing wrong, you should believe that there's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that you should you should extreme you you should be in panic mode right now, <laughs> full blown panic mode if you're not. So I'm not a I'm not an expert on this, but I'm pretty sure if it's leaking the gas, that means there is a reactor leak. That's bad. Yeah, that's that's bad. On Monday, uh, Framatome is that the French company that you mentioned? Fr- Framatome. Yes. I, I'm probably pronou- pronouncing that wrong, but yeah, it's I'm uh, sorry. Uh, which you'd expect me to speak at least more than a few words of French, seeing as how it's within 30 minutes from where I'm at. Uh, the plant is currently up. Op- they said uh, they told the Associated Free Press uh, that the plant is currently operating within the safety parameters based on the data available. They also said that it is supporting the resolution of a performance issue at the plant. So based on the information that's based on the data that's available, again, you have to consider the source here. Now, let's just be very clear on something because we didn't I I don't know if we actually made this point, but we're going to make it now. Lynn Bo Quang, I'm sorry if I if I botched that. I do. I genuinely try to get those right. I really do. Who is the director of the China Center for Energy, Economics and Research at Jemen University, told the Global Times, which is the official uh, mainstream mouthpiece of uh, the CCP, that China's third generation nuclear reactors, bookmark that, third generation nuclear reactors represented by the Taishan nuclear power plant and the Hualong One technology, have higher safety standards compared with the second generation reactors, like most currently in use in Europe and the United States. Third generation reactors. Let's be very clear on something. I don't know if we said this on a podcast or if we said it offline when we were talking about it before because these things all run together and you and I can't make heads or tails of it most of the time. Yeah, it was after. It was after. Yeah. After. Okay. Third generation reactor. Let's go back to the Chernobyl disaster like I was talking about last time. Those were a special kind of reactor. They were considered to be too dangerous to actually use. They are uh, not the same kind of reactors that we used in Western Europe and in the United States and in Canada. Different kinds of reactors. What happened at Chernobyl was considered a high pressure reactor. And it's very, how do I put it? It's more dangerous. It's very unstable. And it was built basically to substandard specifications. And the people that were responsible for that knew that at the time. They were just doing it to save money. This reactor that China's using, this is not the same kind of reactor that is currently in use in Europe and the United States. We don't use these kind of reactors. Believe me, I know people that build these things personally. These are not the kind of reactors we use. We don't use high pressure reactors. This is a third generation from the high pressure reactor style that was at Chernobyl. Is that correct? Basically, more or less it is. They both used high pressure um, systems. Chernobyl was obviously designed differently. Like the setup was different. This one, supposedly, uh, they've worked out all the problems that might arise if it were a Chernobyl event. Um, well, that's that's Chernobyl good. It was consi- supposed to have been the same way. Yeah, it was supposed to be the state of the art reactor. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. That's what they touted it as Pripyat, which was the town. Right. Everybody knows that town. That was going to be the next boom town of the east. It was going to be like the, uh, the the Las Vegas uh, of the Soviet Union. Yeah, sure. That turned out really well, didn't it? Now, that will, what you just said there, that will actually 
coincide with what the uh, the director here said. He also said that with the Chinese government's focus on nuclear development, it would be fatal for any developers that don't carefully implement the country's nuclear safety standards. You see, I'm sure that they have the highest of safety standards there. And, and I'm sure they had the highest of safety standards at the Wuhan lab. Yeah. Um, those safety standards, by the way, they've been continuing to raise the safe levels of that um, gas, the, the exactly. fission gases that exactly. were being released. See, yeah, they, they keep have, raising the, the limit. Yeah, they have safety. But mm-hmm. see, Bruce, you're misinterpreting. They have the best safety standards. Now, as long as they don't cross that safety standard that they've set, as long as it doesn't yeah. go above that, then that's fine. That's fine. Now, if yeah. if the number approaches that and then they raise the level of what they say is safe, which is exactly what the US EPA did, if they do that, well, then they're still within their safety parameters and they're focused on safety. By the way, they, uh, they've they already reached 80% of that capacity that they raised it to. It's already reached that levels. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, uh, I just thought we'd like to do a follow up on that. I'm, again, I'm sure there's nothing wrong. They say that everything there is just fine and it's, it's no big deal based on the data that's available that, you know, it's it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, I want to jump over to uh, to a few things here. I, I want to get into the uh, the Putin and Biden summit thing, but I wanted to cover something else first. So, uh, all right, I want to I want to jump down to Texas. Didn't you put something up the other day about uh, Texas having their uh, their electricity? Uh, shut their shut off or whatever. Now they're stuck back in like the situation they were in when they were freezing to death. Yeah. So basically, ERCOT, the um, co-op for power there in Texas, they're not going to be able to. the The forecast demand is is higher than what their production is. Um, apparently, they're ha- they have more wind and solar down than they usually do this time of year. Um, so they're not able to meet demand. So they're asking Texas residents to uh, reduce their energy usage. Uh, meaning turn your air conditioner off. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's actually one of the biggest, heaviest uh, users of electricity in a home. What was it the Department of Energy said last year? Uh, in order to uh, uh, reduce your carbon footprint, I believe were their exact words, you should consider reducing your thermostat during the summer months to uh, 78 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, I don't know about uh, some of you, but uh, that's just a little bit too warm for me uh, in the summertime. That's something you would set your thermostat at if you were going on vacation or something and you're not going to be home. That's what you would set it to. Not when you're at home. At home, you have it. I mean, I like 72-ish, somewhere along in there. 72, 74, right around in there. 74 is even a little too warm. Uh, 72 is good for me. That's about where I like it. We like to keep the house at 69 because it's a meme. I was going to say, what are you, a polar bear? Yeah, yeah. We, we we like it cold. We want it cold enough in the in the summer months that you, you almost want to wear like a hoodie or something. Mm. Yeah, OK. So the state's grid operator, which is ERCOT, comes only a few months after the unusually cold temperatures plunge millions of Texas into darkness. Yeah, well, yeah, we heard about that. Now, here they are again. Uh, we need to we need to reduce that. Uh, shut it down. Uh, how's that wind and solar working out for you, Texas? You still you still loving that? I believe California is also running into issues because of heat and drought. They're having uh, power issues as well, not just yeah, Texas. I, I- yeah, I got something on that uh, on that drought. We'll talk about that here in a minute because you're you're really going to love what's going on now. Uh, as much as I as much as I know how much you love the Bureau of Land Management and the Department of Agriculture, you're really going to love this. So to conserve power, the grid operators asking people to set the thermostats to 78 degrees or higher. Oh, gee, I wonder I wonder which federal agency is ordering them to do that. 
Huh? I, I wonder which one. It's only the Department of Energy that said that last year that we just talked about. They're also saying turn off the lights and pull pumps and avoid using large appliances such as washers and dryers. How do you like the Green New Deal? How do you like the Great Reset? Because there's none of that in the Great Reset. There's no washers and dryers. There's no lights. You'll be lucky if you have electricity. There are no pools. You can forget that. You know, those, these people want to give you five gallons of water a day and avoid using large appliances. Well, no, see, you're not going to own any of that stuff anyway, because you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. So in a news release on Monday, ERCOT said roughly 11,000 megawatts of power generation are offline due to repairs. Most of these are saying are, they're saying are uh, fossil fuel uh, plants. Typically, fossil fuel plant outages for repairs on a hot summer day would be around 3,600 megawatts. You guys are missing some uh, some math in there somewhere because that's that's triple what it would normally be. It, it almost it almost sounds planned. Yeah, like, it's, it's kind of like Southwest see? Airlines. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Southwest Airlines. You know, Southwest Airlines just just happened to to have their services disrupted yesterday and the day before, and they had to ground all flights. Strange. Yeah, that, that just happens. Yeah, it's it's odd how that happens. And it, of course, it, this it, it, it's also odd when we have Klaus Schwab saying that there's going to be a new pandemic cyber warfare. cyber pandemic a cyber pandemic yeah yeah a, a cyber pandemic uh during the february incident many power plants were driven offline by the cold weather as they were unequipped to withstand the freezing temperatures well bill gates cleared all that up he said well the reason those failed is because you didn't have enough of them that's that's why they failed you didn't have enough of them of course you didn't have enough of the ones that he owns i'm sure Energy experts argued, however, that the incident should be a wake-up call that the entire power grid isn't prepared for the more extreme weather conditions that climate change will bring about. Mm. Huh. Yeah. Climate change. Almost sounds yeah. like it's rigged. Is is climate change also responsible for that drought? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're listening to the government organizations, oh yes, yes, that, that drought that's going on out west. Yeah, that's that drought uh, is there. Now I want to I want to get into this. Now this this article was entitled. And the only reason I'm talking about this is because uh, the government interference in well, damn near every part of your life. Uh, it's just it's it's just it's legion at this point, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's everywhere. So the government stole our water. Hmm. As a, as I said, Bruce, I know how much you love the Bureau of Land Management. I know much how much you love the Department of Agriculture, and you've got to hear the rhetoric that's being pushed by the government. So the government stole our water. What does that mean? U.S. farmers are ready for a standoff with the feds in a drought irrigation crisis. And there's ex- and they're warn- the government are warning that um, extreme right-wing militias will probably help the farmers, not the government, of course, the farmers. The extreme right-wing militias, meaning uh, armed citizens are going to show up with guns at your front doors of your elected offices and demand that you stop this garbage. That's what that means. That's not a right-wing mm-hmm. militia. Those are citizens that want you to get the hell out of the way. Well, it depends on who you ask whether or not it's right-wing. If it, I mean, True. it's constitutional, but that's right-wing to these kooks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, outraged farmers threatened to disrupt a federal order to stop the flow of irrigation water from a lake amid a severe drought in the U.S. state of Oregon. They warned that right wing militias will back them in case of confrontation. Farmers are protesting because they own the water in the upper Klamath Lake, I believe it's called Kl- Klamath Lake. Uh, farmer Dan Nielsen spoke as he stood outside of uh, no, listen to this, an American flag colored tent. Can you, can you imagine that? He's a farmer. Bruce, a farmer spoke. At the, the, do you see that right wing extremist right there? A farmer spoke outside of an American flag colored tent that was set up next to the canal headgates, which control the flow of irrigation water from the lake. He says it's ours and the federal government actually just stole it. No due process of law. 
no compensation. And he added that the federal officials had violated the locals' property rights guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. The protesters brought signs saying water for farms and open the gates, no water, no food, no life. They spoke about releasing the water themselves if the government does not back down. He said, if they don't budge, I think we're just going to end up taking it. It's the only way the government gets it. In order to avoid confrontation, officials must let farmers use the water for their crops or purchase the land from the farmers. Isn't that what you've talked about several times here before? You are to be duly compensated mm-hmm. if yeah. the government comes in to uh, <clears throat> take your land under eminent domain. You are to be duly compensated. Yep. Now, you might be asking why the government closed that. Why, why did they close access to that irrigation water from that lake? Why did they do it? Oh, it's because of the drought, right? Because the drought. No, no, it's it's no, 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 it's not why they did it. Um the U.S. Bureau, I didn't even know that this existed. Here's another bureaucracy for you to hate. The U.S. Bureau of Reclamation. <laughs> Seriously? Yep. The, where do we come up with these names? The U.S. Bureau of Reclamation closed the canal last month, saying that due to the extreme drought, there was not enough water left for it to operate properly. Okay, that's one reason, but that wasn't the only one. The Bureau also said that releasing the water will threaten the endangered species of salmon that inhabit the lake. The fish have agricultural and spiritual significance to the Native American tribes who live upstream. Sounds to me like you need to have a few farmers up there lock and load. Well, that's what they said they were going to do if uh, they don't open the, the lake to the farmers that actually own the rights to that lake. If they don't actually do that, then they're just yeah. going to have to take it because that's the only way the government gets it. And that's true. Do you remember the standoff at the Bundy Ranch? And I'm not going to get into this whole you know, Clive and Bundy stuff, but let, let's be honest here. Let's talk about the ranch. They had the grazing rights to that land. That was their land. And the government shows up and says, no, well, no, no, uh, you, you don't have those grazing rights anymore. And you don't have that cattle anymore. We're going to take all that. What you had there was a typical Americana response. You had people on horseback with shotguns riding up there to defend those people and their land from an overreaching government taking it from them unjustly. That's what you had. That was not a right-wing militia. That was not a, a, a bunch of uh, extremists out there. Those were people standing up for other farmers and property owners, saying, you are not going to take this man's land. You are not going to take this man's livestock without due process of law. You're not going to do it. And you know what? They didn't. I'm sure you probably remember from the movies and whatnot, uh, what they used to do to cattle rustlers. Yeah. Yeah. Effectively what the government are in that yeah. situation. What, what they used to do to cattle rustlers. It wasn't, wasn't very nice. wasn't very pleasant um, treatment mm-hmm. of those people. No. Um, mm-hmm. According to local media, thousands of farmers on the Oregon-California border were left without a steady water supply. Yeah. Northern California, you know, they produce a lot of things up there. Yeah. A lot of producers up there. Red country. Yeah, it's red country up there. It's not blue country. It's red country. The Klamath Irrigation, I think it's Klamath, the Klamath Irrigation District President Ty Kylwer said that the impacts of our family farms and these rural communities will be off the scale. Yeah, that's true. Outraged Nielsen, who was, and another farmer, the gentleman who was speaking before, and another one, uh, Grant Knoll, purchased a vacant lot near the federal waterway where they set up a tent dubbed Water Crisis Info Center. Protesters told Jefferson Public Radio, who was on site, that they had teamed up with People's Rights, a group founded by a well-known conservative militia leader, Ammon Bundy, son of Cliven Bundy. Uh-huh. That's where this right-wing militia stuff's coming from. That right there. I thought he was in jail. Wasn't Ammon Bundy in jail? I know Cliven was put in jail. Wasn't Ammon Bundy put in jail? Was it the Idaho Wildlife Refuge or something that was going on up there? 
whatever they were doing. What whatever yeah. was going on up there, that, that was that was ridiculous. Uh, what was going on up there? They, they they went in, they took over some wildlife refuge, and 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 they had like their like all the water and electricity shut off, and they were just they were holed up in there. They were out there begging the people driving by for food. It was it was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah, but anyway. yeah, I don't remember the full details on that one, unfortunately. It's yeah. been long enough, though. I think they would have been let out of prison by now. It's been a while. Has it been a while? Yeah, okay, that, I guess I, it's been a few I years. It has. We did lose a year because I said, you know, a year ago felt like yesterday. So, yeah, we did lose a year. Yeah. Yeah. They showed uh, a, a text conversation with Bundy, and he said that the uh, militiamen will get a heads up when the farmers make their move. Uh, th- this doesn't sound good already. But as soon as I saw who was involved there, that doesn't sound good already. Uh, I'm planning on getting DC's attentions. Uh, DC's attention, Null told JPR earlier this month. We're going to turn on the water and have a standoff. If you own the rights to that water in that lake... And the government comes in and says, no, you're not going to have that right any longer. Well, I'm sorry, but you own that. You, you own that. There's nothing they can do. And I agree with the first farmer here, Nielsen. I, I agree with him when he says there's no due process of law. And if the government comes in to take your land under the use of eminent domain, you are to be duly compensated. None of that's happening. None of that's happening. So in that regard... I stand with the farmers in that regard. I think it's a bad move getting Bundy and the rest of these guys involved because everything they've done up to this point, with the exception of what happened at the ranch at their uh, at, at his father's place a few years ago, that's been quite some time ago now, all they're doing at this point is they're creating poster boys to make everything look bad. Yeah. That's all they're doing. Uh, honestly, though, you got to stand up at yeah. the same time. Yeah, I, I get it. All right, uh, let's talk about some oil and gas stuff. Th- this is this is shocking to me, uh, what I ran across. Bruce, you know what a corporate recruiter is? Corporate recruiter. Yeah. So basically what, what that is, is these companies will go out. If you're, if you're a large corporation, these companies will hire people to come in and do corporate recruiting for you. So they will basically line up a way to move people through the company. They'll, they'll go out and they'll recruit new talent. To get them into the corporation. So like that's a corporate okay. recruiter. Yeah. Okay. And at the same time, they'll be working with the people in the executive positions of that corporation, because they're working for them, to look at their personnel and say, okay, this person, we need to fill a position for this person because, you know, tragic accident or something, they passed away, or this person's retiring, or this person is leaving for another opportunity with another company. So we need to backfill those positions. So we need lists of candidates at the corporate level for us to replace them. So that's a corporate recruiter. Now, there's a corporate recruiter for an oil and gas company. Uh, and I went through and I, I looked and she actually works there. Uh, her, her The company that she recruits for is called Rig Boys Employment Network. So basically what she does, she goes through for all these different oil companies and she uh, recruits for them. And she works with their executives to get new talent in and, uh, and, and work and find replacements for the people that are shuffling out. Here's the interesting thing. You might be asking, okay, where are you going with this? Because this doesn't line up with basically anything that you're you're, you're discussing these days. Until now, this is what caught me. It, what are we being told about various employers, right? Get the jab, right? Isn't that what people are being told? Get the jab. Hell, I saw an article today out of, I think, it's the, I think it was the Times of London. Well, I think we're going to talk about it tomorrow. I, I've got it lined up for tomorrow. But they're saying that they're going to make all NHS workers in the UK, it's going to be compulsory. You're going to have to get it, yep. which tells me... Which tells me that they aren't they're not taking it. That's what that's what that tells me. And we know people who work for the NHS over there. So we, we need to sit down. And we need to talk to them. So the woman's name here is uh, Carol Bird. And you can go and you can look her up. Uh, she's a recruiter for Rig Boys Employment Network. 
And she explained, now listen to this very carefully. She explained that nearly half of these major companies, these oil and gas companies, their workforce will soon be replaced with fresh workers within a few years due to the fact that the people that they're looking at replacing have been vaccinated. Now think about that. Think about that. Let's stop for a second and let's look at the let's look at the research that we've seen. If these long-term effects are our side effects or, or whatever end up causing the types of problems that we've been reading about in the past studies, then we're going to take a very serious hit to our workforces across the West. Now, you can take that for what you want. Now, the woman here has put out a video. Now, this is a couple of minutes long, and I'm not I'm not going to botch it or anything like that by um, by repeating what she said. I'm going to let her say it. And now think about the gravity of this. People are being told that with some companies, it's going to be mandatory that you take this thing. Now, here's a here's a woman who's working at the corporate level doing recruitments for oil and gas companies. And the executives of these companies are looking down through the lists of people that they have employed saying, we're going to have to get rid of them or they're going to get I mean, they're, they're going to get rid of themselves or, or something to that effect. They're plan either way. They're planning on losing all of these employees either way. Now, why is that? Usually people that work in oil and gas industry jobs, especially at the corporate level, they usually have a little bit more insider information than what you or I are privy to, usually. So I'm going to let her explain this. Take a listen to this. So about eight years ago, I lost my baby during pregnancy, which is the reason that I actually left the healthcare fear field, because I was working with pregnant women, primarily, um, reproduction and endocrinology. And I just found it was a little bit too difficult for me to provide quality of care given my recent loss. So I went back into full-time uh, working in the gas and oil and recruitment uh, sector. And to this day, I am running a global uh, gas and oil recruitment firm. And the reason that this is important is because of what I am seeing as an executive in this industry happening right now as a result of the COVID vaccines. And it's something called succession planning. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. But basically what it is, is companies need to plan for um, what's going to happen as their staff um, move on. Rather, they move up the line, they retire, um, so on and so forth. And succession planning is something that I help companies with professionally by offering them uh, recruitment services. So they'll come to me and say, hey, we're going to need 100 guys to, you know, staff this rig, so on and so forth. And so we'll provide them that service. Well, what's really interesting, what's happening right now, and it's actually mortifying, not just interesting, is that executives are having their uh, HR staff and their managers, superintendents, foremen, so on and so forth, go through and look at the staff that have received the vaccines and they're planning to have to replace them all within the next three years. What does that say to you? This is something that's, you know, it's got some of these guys literally in tears as they're going through the company and literally checking off all of these individuals that have taken the vaccine, knowing that most likely in the next three years, they're going to have to plan to replace that person. What does that say to you? And this is a really big thing in the industry that I'm in and a lot of talk going on around this at the moment. Now, there's not really much more to that story other than what she just said. So how do you take information like that? As I said, people in the oil and gas industry, especially at the, the executive level, as I said, they, they usually have a lot of insider information and, and people that they 
keep on speed dial to get information if they need it. We don't have that kind of information. But if you have a woman like this who is on the inside working as a recruiter for these people, and she's telling me that she's going to be more or less, she's going to be overloaded within the next few years finding replacements for all these people. As she said, that tells me something's up. Something's up. Something doesn't smell right. You've got the 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 sickening, out of control, wretched, decrepit, old, broken down, elite, supposed elite. I wouldn't call them elite. I'd call them just uh, look at them. Look at them. I mean, that that's pathetic. That is pathetic. They are truly pathetic. They're, they're like some some old bloated carcass you see on the side of the road. that has been hit by a truck. That's what they look like. They're so adamant about getting people to take this thing forcibly if they have to. Why? China's not doing mass vaccination campaigns. Hell, China just broadcasted to the world this morning a 10,000 student university graduation that took place with no masks and no social distancing at the University of Wuhan. Now, see, they're rubbing everybody's face in it. That's what they're doing. They want you to take this thing. Why? Companies are planning for mass replacements. Why? Uh, I honestly don't know what to say to that. I mean, uh, just leaving that to hang is is adequate, in my opinion. It, it, you as a listener can come up with your own conclusion on that one. The, the only good case scenario or, I don't know, better scenario is to say that all the government benefits because of COVID uh, make it where people don't want to work and they, you know, do the unemployment route and within three years they'll be replaced. That's the only good I can come of that. The problem is many of these um, oil and gas industry are, are are located in red states that have already gotten rid of those. So it doesn't it doesn't work. And you can't exactly pay unemployment to an oil and gas worker. I know oil and gas workers. You can't exa- and so do you. You can't pay an oil and gas worker unemployment that's going to be more than what they would make out there working as a roughneck. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. You know yeah. the kind of money that these guys make? They make the kind of money that you and I sit around scratching our heads trying to figure out how we're going to make ends <laughs> we're going to make ends meet. Yeah. You know? We, they, yeah. these guys don't have money problems. The, the, the kind of money that uh, I had family that that uh, roughnecked and the kind of money they were making years ago, this was back in the 80s, uh, roughnecking is staggering even by today's metrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know people that would that would go out and they would work on oil pipeline or, or whatever, build an oil refinery or, or whatever it is, working on an oil rig and they'd be gone for six months. They take six months off after that. <laughs> they didn't need to. They, they didn't need to work. You know, they, they'd work five, six yeah. months out of the year and they'd be off the rest of the year. That's how that's how good the money is. So they rotate those crews in and out like that because they don't need to pay them all year. They don't need to keep them on payroll all year long. There's other things involved here. I think it's more than just what she's referring to there. I also think that it's a liability issue. And when I say that, I'm talking about long-term side effects that we don't know yet. What about the blood clots? What about the strokes? What about the heart attacks? If you have one of these on a job and you can't prove that it was the vaccine, then that company is going to have to pay for all that. Especially if you, you know, if you have a stroke on the job from overexerting yourself and it's a result of a vaccine, it's a delayed reaction. If you have a blood clot and it kills you, if you have a heart attack on the job, you're out there on the rig and you have a heart attack and you die, the company's got to pay for that. It's not going to be the pharmaceutical companies that did it to you. It's, it's not going to be They're them. immune. Yeah, of course they are. It's not going to be the government. And on top of that, how are you going to prove that that's what caused it at that point in time? There's no way. There's no liability there. So the company's going to have to eat that. 
So I think there's more than just what she's talking about. I think it goes to a larger point there. And maybe that's what the executives are looking at is that because at the same time, the airlines are now starting to do what? Oh, no, uh, you you probably don't want to fly uh, because uh, the risk of blood clots, if you've been vaccinated, the risk of blood clots due to cabin pressurization. So what, you can never fly again? That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get vaccinated. You can fly. You can go see the world again. Isn't that what David Hasselhoff said? I want to see the world again. Well, that's, that's easy enough for you to say, Dave, hop on your G6. That's all you have to do. You make one phone call, that thing's fueled and you're at the airport in 20 minutes from your Malibu villa. These people are disgusting. All right. Um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting about the, uh, the the oil and gas thing, because everybody's talking about, oh, yeah, you, these uh, businesses, are they going to make it mandatory? And uh, well, are they they going to they going to force people to do it? Well, here's a company that's looking to replace all the people that had it. Actually, it's multiple companies that are looking to replace the people that had it. She represents multiple companies, not just one. Different take. I mean, that's a different take on what we normally see and what we normally talk about. Yeah, it's the same thing we've been talking about. And the perspective is just it's coming from a different angle that we we don't necessarily think about or mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. OK, uh, the the Putin and Biden Geneva summit. OK, what a cluster this thing was. OK, so. Geneva is about six hours south of me, and it's local time for me, so I was able to watch it. They did it early over here, early in the afternoon, so it was about lunchtime over here when that started. I was watching it. They did it at that time, I'm assuming, because of the American delegation. I'm assuming the administration didn't want that happening at a later time, because then he would have been on display for the American audience. Instead, they did it around 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning Eastern time, so no one would see it, except for the business people that are already up watching CNBC as they're going to their office with their double soy latte or whatever it is they're drinking. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You know the type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with their, their Gucci shoes and their briefcase. Man, those people make me want to throw mm-hmm. up. So uh, the, the, the summit. Okay, so you could tell that this, like Putin did it as a as a gesture more than anything else, I'm, I'm assuming at this point, because... He flew in this morning. Biden flew in last night. He flew into Geneva this morning. Putin did. And as he's getting off the plane, of course, I w- you, you get access to Russian media here. It's a little hard to come by in the U.S., but you get access to Russian media where I'm at. And I was watching their coverage of it. I was also watching the, the U.S.'s side of it as well. Uh, they weren't really covering much of anything, really. But uh, they mentioned that it was going to be happening today, but they didn't have any live footage or anything that I saw. So... Uh, the Russian media, they showed Putin's plane landing and all the rest of it. And of course, they covered Air Force One landing yesterday with Biden. They covered that so that they were there and they, they saw it coming down. You couldn't fly over Switzerland, I don't think. I think they shut off all airspace there. So they grounded all flights. Mm-hmm. You couldn't fly over it. It made a big spectacle out of that. So how many millions, of, hundreds of millions of dollars and everything else did you cost the, the taxpayers for that one? So they both shut it countries. all down. Yeah, both countries. They shut it all down. Uh, Biden flew in yesterday. Putin flies in today. As <laughs> I'm going to try and explain this. As Putin is getting off of the plane, he's kind of like galloping down the steps of the plane, you know, to, to, <laughs> to get into his car. And you can tell already that he's he's making fun of Biden, who falls up the stairs multiple times. You know, mm-hmm. so you can tell already mm-hmm. that that's what that's all about. So they meet in front of the uh, the venue where they're having the. Um, the discussion that, you know, the, the talk or whatever it was, the summit, whatever. The, yeah. So they meet there. The Swiss president makes the formal introduction, blah, blah, blah. Good luck with your talks, yada, yada, yada. And he steps aside and Biden goes up to shake Putin's hand. And as soon as Biden looks at him, Putin turns away and smiles at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> <He> did, <laughs> you know, you know, paying homage to the, you know, I looked into Putin's eyes and I saw a killer, you know, that that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
Putin looks away. So he d- he takes away the opportunity for Biden to make another statement like that is what he did down the line. So he knows, oh, I, I saw it both times. You know, so he can't say that now. Uh-huh. So he took uh-huh. that away. Yeah, he, he took that away. And of course, Putin sat down with uh, NBC News the other night. I don't know why he did that, but OK, <laughs> whatever. I, I think I know what he's why he's doing what he's doing. But um, Putin goes through and he's he goes in, he sits down. Right. The guy's relaxed. He's chill. And I'm not I'm not sitting here being a cheerleader for Putin. I'm pissed off that this is an embarrassing point as an American to sit here and look at this. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed that this 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 greasy scumbag is our representative. This guy. Now, first and Putin's of all, just he, he's just taunting us at this point. He is. He is. You can tell that that's what he's doing. Putin's a player. He knows how to play politics. I'll, I'll give him that, man. I'll, I'll give him that. Biden, this guy doesn't know what planet he's on. But Putin, he, he knows how to play. He's a player. So they were sitting on opposite both delegations. They were sitting on opposite sides of the table from each other. And from that photo, now that you mention it, those angles, Putin's not sitting across the table from Biden. He's not doing it. He's sitting kind of, I mean, you can tell that they're on opposite sides of the table, that, like they're sitting catty corner to each other, but there's no one in between them. But they're not sitting directly across. Maybe that was Putin who said no. Maybe that was Putin. Maybe. Could have been. Uh, Biden looked like he was kind of leaning over to one side as well. Mm -hmm. Though he's probably trying to hold himself Um, up from passing out from whatever drugs that came before he got there. (laughs) So here's the other thing. And I would play the audio, but the audio is a little uh, is jacked up. It's almost like they they didn't get it quite right. Uh, because I can hear Putin talking in in my left ear and I hear the interpreter talking in my right ear. So it wouldn't really make much sense for you as the listener. So uh, Putin goes in, he sits down. Of course, the media wasn't allowed to be there. They were they were shooed out the door. No, you're not allowed to be in here. You can't watch anything. So they were pushed outside. Putin's sitting down and he's just sitting there, you know, hands, you know, fingers crossed, you know, hands crossed kind of thing. And yeah, OK, let's talk, you know, arms down on the on the side of the chair and everything. And Biden's reaching over for his note cards. Why do you need note cards? I don't care what's on it. Why do you need those? Talk to the man. Talk to him. Don't 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 sit down and look at some pre-prepared fluff that whatever some idiot behind the scenes handed to you. Stand up. You're the president of the United States of America. Stand up and talk to another world leader, another superpower. Do it. That's what you're there for. But no, he goes for that. The press was put outside. And what happens outside? It turns into a it's like, you know, it, it it's almost like. A brawl in the cafeteria or something at, at high school. That's what it turns into. The American press is outside. They get into this this damn near fist fight with the Russian press. They're going back and forth. The Russians are saying the Americans started it. The Americans are saying the Russians started I tend to believe in this sense that the Russians are probably the ones in the right here. That's awful for me to say. But look at the behavior out of the mainstream media outlets in the United States. Tell me that those people wouldn't go for a cheap shot if they had the opportunity to stir up conflict, to take the focus off of that bumbling fool sitting in there with Putin, who is ice cold and sharp as a razor, to, oh, the media's getting in a fight outside. Take a look at this. Oh, the, the Americans are saying they started. Did we start? Who started? What? Who's involved? What's going on? No, no. Pay attention to the, the puppet you got inside. The smoke screen. That's all it is. Uh, exactly that. I, I, I agree. It's just a smoke screen. So afterwards, and this is the part, I mean, I've got the audio here, but like I said, it, it just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense. You hear the interpreter talking over and, and, and Putin and it's all it, like, if they would have balanced the audio, okay, fine. But, you know, even I can't 
I, I can't work with that. It was very disorienting for me to listen to it. But ABC, NBC, BBC, CNN, and all the other usual uh, propaganda networks from the West, they were all down there uh, covering it. And Putin showed up and he says, OK, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to waste anybody's time. I'm at your disposal. I'll take any questions you've got. He's, he's standing up there at the podium saying that he says, I'll take whatever you got. We don't need to waste anybody's time with pointless introductions or uh, talking about ridiculous trade deals or any of the rest of it. I'm here to talk to you. So ask me whatever you want. And so he took as many questions as they had until he finally said, OK, thank you. Have a nice day. I appreciate your time. He even uh, mocked at one of the CNN reporters. They asked <laughs> they asked him, you know, would you would you watch our network? And he says, well, if you give your audience an informed and objective opinion, I might, you know, but thank you. <laughs> so Biden then does his press conference two hours later, at which time Putin's already on his plane leaving Geneva, going back to Moscow. And Biden finally shows up. By the way, he showed up late to meet Putin in the first place. He, he showed up late. Man, you got there yesterday, son. Get down there. What's wrong with you? Get in there. Look at the venue. OK, I'm going to sit there. Unbelievable, these people. So Biden takes his press conference. He's up there for 30 minutes, only calls on the people that he's got on the sheet in front of him. And yeah, he snaps at some CNN reporter on his way out. I don't know. Hell, must have gotten the good insure for, for breakfast this morning. That's all I can think. Gave him a little extra pep in his step. But it, it was a complete joke. It was a complete joke. By the time he's out there taking photos, Putin's already back in the air leaving. Putin knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to play politics. He, he knows exactly what he's doing. It's exactly as I said. I was warning that uh, this little talks that they're going to do is going to end up being a boon or a benefit to uh, to Putin. It's going to make him look good. Uh, by the way, I'd just like to point out that um, ABC, NBC, BBC, CNN and, and all the others, th those were the people they were invited to uh, President Putin's conference. They were invited. You know, come on. Hey, I'll, I'll take on all comers. Whatever you got for me, just just give it to me. You know, I'm at your disposal. Biden's press conference. No Russian press was allowed there. None. It was only the outlets that they had handpicked before he got there. He's showing, Putin is showing that this guy's a fraud and his administration is a fraud. He's showing that. Hell, he's giving more praise to Trump than he is to Biden at this point. You know why? Because he has no respect for Biden and the Biden administration. None. Zero. He's actually got respect for Trump. And believe me, I'm no cheerleader for Trump either. You've heard me in recent weeks. I'm off that train. Hell, I was never really on it, but I'm off that train, mainly because of the vaccine stuff mainly because of that. You got Operation Warp Speed from Trump. We got the vaccines from Trump, if anybody's wondering. Just saying. I've got nothing more. I mean, Putin is just, uh, w w with that whole deal, some of the stuff he was saying uh, and the, 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 the answers he was giving, it's just fuel to the fire. He's right. It's true. But the problem is, is... Uh, you got to look at who's doing it. You know, it's it's all a political game. And I, I think it's just going to stir up more trouble is what he's trying to do. But you know what? At the same time, I'm not against stirring up more trouble. So I'm not either. And he's asking these questions like and I'm just quoting here. He's he's asking again, the audio's botched, uh, but I'll just repeat it because all you're going to hear is Putin talking and an interpreter saying exactly what I'm saying. Putin was talking about the Capitol riot in his press conference. He was talking about that. Uh, and he asked the question to uh, to NBC the other day. He says, why do you have uh, people in, in jail over this capital right thing? Why do you have political prisoners who ordered the execution of Ashley Babbitt at the U.S. Capitol building? Who ordered that? That was a question he was asked. He said he stood at that podium today 
And he said, people, and I'm quoting here, I'm quoting Putin. He says, people entered with some political demands. He's talking about January 6th. People entered with some political demands at the Congress in the United States. 400 people are now under criminal persecution, facing a prison term of 20 to 25 years. They're called domestic terrorists, and they're accused of a number of other crimes. 70 people were detained right away after this event, and 30 of them are still detained, and nobody knows why and for what reason, because no official authority in the U.S. informed anybody about it. One of the participants was shot by a police officer there, and she didn't threaten the police officer with a weapon. Those are exactly the same questions I've got. Instead, what does Biden say? What does he respond to with that? Also, uh, uh, let, let me get the exact quote here. He says, oh, the protesters on January 6th, they're literally criminals who killed a police officer. Um, I'm sorry, medical officials that investigated that stated that uh, Officer uh, Brian Sicknick, is, is his name there, died of natural causes the day after the riots. No one killed a police officer. No one bludgeoned him to death with a, uh, with a fire extinguisher or anything like that. As a matter of fact, they were held. The only thing these people were missing, apart from the fact that it was basically a guided tour, the only thing they were missing was a, a, a complimentary chocolate that was handed out for them at the time that the doors were open for them. And this is the worst thing since Pearl Harbor, according to Chuck Schumer. This is the worst thing since uh, since 9-11. AOC says that she's uh, she, she's now a combat veteran. She's likened to uh, sexual assault because of this. She's in therapy for it. Who are these jokers? Anyway, all right. Um, that's that's all I got. Yeah, the, the Biden-Putin summit. Give me a break. Give me a break. That was it was a, if you're an American looking at that and you which, quite frankly, I don't think most of the American media even covered it because it was it was an embarrassment. It was an outright embarrassment. Did the average person even know about it outside so. of, you know, the, the the people that are trying to stay aware? I don't think so. But I mean, I, I, I was watching it and I could I could tell. As soon as Putin, as soon as I saw him getting off the plane this morning, I could tell. I said, man, this guy's this guy's going to eat this guy for lunch. And he knew it. He knew it. And to be quite honest with you, I can't I can't sit here and pretend like I was expecting anything different. No, no. I, I knew it was going to be that. Yeah. All right. We're out of time, so we are going to have to go. So thank you for being here today, Bruce. We do have Marty coming on tomorrow. For all of you that are fans of Marty, rest assured, I spoke with him on the telephone today. He will be here tomorrow without delay. He's assured me of that, so he will be here. So for those of you who have not signed up to Telegram, get over there, get signed up to our Telegram channel. We put out all of our podcasts we put out here every day, and we also put out an exclusive podcast just to our Telegram subscribers. So get signed up to us over there. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass us along, we would greatly appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcast, if you would give us a rating when you get a chance, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that'll do it for today. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening.